but it's not about how far you have to go. It's about how far you've come and continuing to just let yourself know, like, I can do it. Hey, everyone. Emily Abadi here coming to you live from the AG studio. I am so, so excited to bring you a special edition of the show this week. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Now, like I said, today's episode super special, and that's because it was recorded live at the Chicago Marathon. Thanks to my friends at Tracksmith for having me to their pop-up inside of the Chicago Athletic Association. I had such an amazing time getting to hang out with some of you hurdlers IRL. Today's discussion is answering some of your top questions about running. I put out a poll or a questions box, I assume, on the socials not all that long ago to get some of your top questions. And we answered them. And by we, I mean, I can thank my guests for the show, Sierra Lucas. She's a TV journalist. She's also a trainer and nutrition coach. And congratulations to her. She ran, conquered the Chicago Marathon on Sunday. And also Phoenix Alizam. She is an athlete. She's a relatively new mom, a certified personal trainer and the founder of Victory Run Club. So I was in some great company to answer your top running questions. We talk about everything, gosh, from running safety and nutrition to how to just start, which is a question I get all of the time. We have a lot of laughs along the way. So much goodness. I do at one point go out to audience questions, which I make sure to reiterate on my microphone so that you make sure to get the audio for that. So have a little bit of patience, but the quality on this is excellent. The conversation is excellent. And again, so grateful for the opportunity to pop up in Chicago. Like I said, in Monday's episode with Jordan Larson, a huge, huge congratulations to everyone that was out there. And if you have any other questions that we don't answer in this episode, because it would be impossible for us to sit down and answer all of them in one swoop, I would love to hear them feel free to call in to Hurdle's voicemail and leave me a voice message. The link to do that is in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. You may know me. My name's Emily Abadi. I'm the host of a show called Hurdle, uh, and I see a few hurdlers in the audience, so I'm so, so, so excited to have you here. Uh, for those of you that don't know about Hurdle, Hurdle is a wellness-focused podcast where I talk to everyone from elite athletes to CEOs, entrepreneurs about their highest highs and toughest moments, and we're here popping up at the Chicago Marathon this weekend. Let's give a round of applause for the marathoners in the room to have a little discussion about questions that we have about running, right? Which we have a lot of them. It doesn't matter if you're a total newbie, if you're a veteran, we all go through all of the same things. I'll never forget. Uh, I had a conversation 
once. I think it was with Aisha Proutlier, who I actually ran into on my way over here on the street. And she said that one of the biggest misconceptions that we hear from new runners is that they think that expert runners, like our pro runners, pro athletes, don't have any of the same problems that we have as newbies, right? And that is not true at all. In fact, they struggle with a lot of the same stuff that the rest of us struggle with. So I do want to say thank you to all of you for coming out here today. I'm so excited to have you, and I'm so excited to just kind of have an open conversation about all the stuff that we all deal with on the regular. So before we get into it, let's give a round of applause for my lovely panelists that are joining me here today. I've got Sierra Lucas and Phoenix Alizam. I will let these ladies uh, introduce themselves. I know you know a thing or two about using a microphone. So Sierra, talk to me. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. Good to see all of you. My name's Sierra Lucas. Uh, Full-time, I'm a TV journalist, currently based in Columbus, Ohio, but I'm also a certified trainer. Um, I've run one full marathon. Tomorrow will be my second. Thank you. Uh, Six half marathons. Used to be really into CrossFit. I'm a certified coach um, for CrossFit and group fitness and a nutrition coach. So fitness is a huge passion of mine. And um, for my TV work, I do health journalism. So I have a wellness segment. And I also speak to experts when it comes to doctors, psychiatrists, nutritionists, always staying on top of the latest health trends. And it's my life and passion. Thank you so much for being here. Sierra actually reached out to me um, and met me at a WeWork when she was visiting New York. What is this, like two, three? Two years ago, 2019. Cold call. Yes. And now look at us here. Life was different. <laughs> Life was different. Life was very, very <laughs> different. Okay, and then Phoenix, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Emily. Thank you so much. I'm Phoenix Alizam. Um, I am a health and fitness coach. I've been personal training now for over seven years. Also an athlete and a new mom. Um, I've done over six marathons and six full uh, ultra relays. So very passionate about running. I've kind of started from just a normal background of just, you know, being a dancer, being an artist. You know, I've done so many different things, but Running, I feel like, is one thing that, you know, a lot of people can relate to no matter what aspects of life that you do. Um, so I just really, uh, really help, love helping people get better at their running um, through strength and through fitness and through nutrition. So that's ultimately like what I like to do. Um, so nutrition is my passion. And I feel like if you can really tackle and own in on that, then you can really have a much stronger run by just basing it from the core. So that's me. And that's kind of what I am all about. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me here to uh, talk about the questions that we have about running. And I got a lot of them when I asked for some feedback on the socials. So I want to kick us off today by starting with the first question that I get from almost every single person in my DMs. How do I run? Sounds like so simple, right? Like, how do I run? Like, what do I do? I don't feel like I can do it. I can't run. Well, the thing is, as many of you know, because many of you associate in that way, is that you can, you just need to believe that you can. So I would love to know, how do I run, right? That classic beginner question. When you started running, Sierra, do you 
Can you relate with that? Did you feel like it was absolutely impossible for you? I absolutely can. I was just telling Phoenix that I really feel like I was late to the game when it came to running. I didn't start till I was in college to start recreational running. And as cliche as it sounds, it really has just been one step in front of the other, starting with a baseline of how far can I go without dropping to the ground and then keep keep going and kind of building your endurance and then really getting into like the nitty gritty details and technical things of how to be a good runner. But I think the first step is just it's such a mental game. You just need to decide to lace up your sneakers and get out the door and then you're a runner. And then you're a runner. What about you? When you started running, did it feel absolutely impossible or did it come more easy to you? Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, for me, it it was a little easy for me. I wasn't I wasn't always a fast runner, but I always had the passion for it. Um, I would say I got into running when I was nine. Uh, I have an older sister. We were very competitive and I beat her in a race and I realized it was the only thing I was better at her. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it and run with it. Literally. So literally. <laughs> so it's always really been that mind over matter. Just like knowing like, OK, running is my thing. I may not be good at it, but I love it and I love the way it makes me feel. So as long as I stay positive, that is what is going to be the most important thing is staying positive. It's not about how far you have to go. It's about how far you've come and continue continuing to just let yourself know, like, I can do it. I can do it. So it always starts with the mind. So for me, I've always had a very strong disciplined mind. So I think that has been easy for me. But now putting that one foot in front of the other, that's the challenge. And that's where you figure out, like she said, Sierra, the the nitty gritty and like becoming a good runner. You figure out that later. But first, you got to get your mind right. Yeah, I love that word that we often hear in running, right? Well, she's a really good runner. I'm a really good, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a good runner, right? How often do we use that sentence? And the thing is, is that that word good is so interpretive, right? And you get to make that definition for yourself. Like we each go out all the time and we'll say like, oh, I had a good run. But what makes it a good run? A good run can be defined in so many different ways, right? A good run could be, I went out and I didn't feel pain today. Or I went out and I ran the whole route. Or heck, I went out, right? Like sometimes we have to, take a step back and say to ourselves, wow, like I have the opportunity every time that I lace up to define what good looks like for me today. And that might look different today or for some of you tomorrow than it did the other day. And that's totally, totally fine. Okay. So beginners, all of us at one point, obviously now a couple of marathons between all of us under our belt. Another question that came in was when did you know that you wanted to run a marathon for the first time? When did you know, Sierra? I think I knew after my second half marathon because I was crazy enough to do it again. And I, it, was, it had to be like either back to back a couple of weeks or maybe a month after. And I kind of just told myself, okay, you know, let's just double it. And I also became really involved in the nonprofit Girls on the Run, if you're familiar with that. I was a coach uh, for that group where it's an after-school program with elementary school girls and we trained them to do a 5K. And they were so intimidated to run a 5K because, I mean, they're like four feet tall, eight <laughs> years old. It is like a journey. It's a marathon for them. And while I was their coach training them to do a 5K, Okay, I just felt like I needed to do more myself. I'm like, I'm motivating them to do more. Why don't I train for the next thing? And for me, that was a marathon. And you're, I mean, you're a handful of marathons in now. Mm -hmm. So do you even remember or recall what it felt like before signing up for your first one? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely remember the exact moment. I was 12 <laughs> years old. 
Um, I, I was yeah. very casual. I was 12 years old. I was on a Greyhound bus in from New York City. It was right after 9-11 happened. And so it was like maybe a month later I was living there. And I remember just seeing like the marathon going down it was like passing 18th Street like, in Chinatown. And I remember just like asking like my mom, like, you know, what is this? And then we said, you know, it's the marathon. I'm like, well, why are people running? And like, well, for many reasons, you know, for loved ones they've lost or to raise money, to raise awareness. And I, I just remember being on that bus being like, I have to do this. Like, I need to do this. So but I was too young. So I actually started training when I was 15. And then I ran my first marathon at 16. But I had to wait those three years to like get to be old enough. So it was so much just anxious and anxiety, like and like excitement built up. And I signed up with the Leukemia Research Foundation and raised all the money I need to within like two days. And I was super excited. And ever since then, I just kind of amplified my love for running and I just felt like once I finished it um that I was unstoppable you're one of those whiz kids that we see on the course that we're like how old I wish. are they <laughs> I wish. are they allowed to be here, to be here? <laughs> Is, are you good like that, where's that your was mom? 20 years ago so <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I said where's your mom just now speaking uh, speaking you mm -hmm. um you have a, a relatively new babe yes how mm -hmm. has being a mom impacted maybe the way that you see sport um, wow. Well, definitely, um, it humbles you, you know, it definitely takes you back down to your basics. And I would say, you know, before I had my child or my son, you know, I would just, I felt like unstoppable, like, you know, nothing's going to break me down. And then, you know, you go through this experience of giving birth and it's amazing. And, you know, you still feel unstoppable and incredible, but then your body's different. So I would say the biggest thing is like, he's my motivating factor to like, be strong and to you know not get so hard on myself and you know slack off but then also just like you know having to start from scratch again of running and it's it's a humbling experience I would say it's humbling it's motivating um but he's definitely my wise because when he sees me working out and kind of training again he gets so excited and motivated that I'm like I just can't wait till you're out here with me you know so <laughs> you'll be running a marathon at 16. I think so <laughs> I, think I think so, so. <laughs> good role model right mm -hmm. well I mean what you're speaking about I uh it's no secret to anyone am very single and without a child but what I will say is that this reminds me of what I have dealt with when it comes to injury, which raise your hand in the room if you've been injured before, right? Love, love, mad love going to the back of the room. So listen, it is a hard place to be, right? And so we're talking about, you know, getting back on the horse, getting back to being active and whatnot. It can be really frustrating. So, so many questions that came in over on social. The question, how do you deal with injury as a runner? It's tough, right? And like we just said not that long ago, every day you have an opportunity to redefine what good means, right? And especially when you're injured, that is something that you really have to take to step back and think about. So to answer the question, how do you navigate injury as a runner? Have you ever been injured as a Absolutely. runner? Absolutely. Talk to me about what that experience was like. My first you. marathon, yeah. I experienced injury because of overtraining. I was new. Um, I was so eager to have my first marathon under my belt. And in hindsight, I can recognize how many stress factors I had going on in my life with my job, with personal relationships. There was so much going on, but I was so dedicated to making sure I at least did the marathon. I remember suspending my training in like the middle of the summer. Then I caught the second wave of energy. So I tried to make up for what I'd missed, ended up overtraining, injuring myself. By the time I crossed that finish line, I was limping. I burst into tears in my dad's arms. <laughs> I was happy it was over, but I was hurt. And it was really just a lesson of 
no one to take a break, no one to rest, something, you know, you're learning now, Emily, mm -hmm. and then ask for help. This yeah. second training cycle has been so different for me. I hired a coach. I have someone looking after me and my workouts and checking in with myself of how I'm feeling and making adjustments when need be. Yeah. And I think that that is something that so many of us like running is our at times like our sense of independence. Right. And so when you can't do it, you can't move your body how you hope to move your body. You're like, wow, like what, what am I, what's my purpose? What's my why? What am I doing? But really I would say that sometimes being injured is that opportunity to come back to that question and to answer that question again for yourself. And also something that you talked about that I think is so important is the idea of asking for help, right? Uh, that's hard. Asking for help is really hard and it's really frustrating. And again, all that anxiety. So I can certainly say I've been navigating coming back from a little bit of a muscle strain myself and, uh, trying to figure out like who to ask for help, how to get over myself, how to like put myself out there and be vulnerable in a way that we want to be strong and we want to be like Superman or Superwoman or whoever you want to identify with. But sometimes you just got to kind of like throw your hands up in the air and trust the process. So on the injury note, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling with uh, being injured and not being able to move their body how they want to? Phoenix. Oh yeah, totally. I've, I've been there. So I relate to this. Um, I think it's the best thing that you can do is just to maybe humble yourself in a way. Um, and what I mean by that is we are, as athletes, you know, you're always trying to push yourself and you're always trying to overcome obstacles and excuses. So I think it's just knowing the difference between an excuse and actual setback, you know, and not pushing yourself to the extreme to where you're going to injure yourself further, that you're going to set yourself back even further in your recovery process. So I would say humbling yourself as an athlete and just knowing your body, knowing when to throw in the towel. And like Sierra says, and, you know, ask for help get that guidance, have somebody help you with the things that you may be not sure of or don't know how to fix yourself. You know, I think as athletes, we also learn how to kind of cure our own problems over the year too. So we think, well, I know how to do this and I'll just train this way and I'll get better. But it's not always the case. You know, I, I tore my LCL right after a 10K right outside here for Macy's. And um, I always remember I was so mad at myself because I was training for the speed project, which is like an unsanctioned race through the desert. And so I was like training for that. And I did this little five or 10K and I was just so mad because I was trying to PR. And I mean, I was like, ah, oh, I gotta <laughs> go. Everyone in this room, like everyone's like, yes, yeah. I've been in this place. You know? I'm totally relieved. Exactly. So then I had to set myself back training. I mean, I still went to run it and then I still went to run the London Marathon after that. But then after that marathon, I've been out, you know, so now it's been literally recovering from injury for the past three years because I didn't want to just listen to what I already knew. So I would just say, you know, humble yourself, listen to your body. Biggest thing. And just know that that setback is only minor and it's going to make you stronger. All right. So don't look at it as like, oh, man, I'm going to lose running progress. I'm going to be a, I'm not going to be a great athlete anymore. It's like, no, you're taking a step back so that you can take 20 steps forward. Yeah. And so that's what I say. Listen to your body and just be humble in that moment. Yeah. And I think that I actually got a, a listener voicemail when I was on my flight yesterday from someone that was talking about needing to go under for surgery. And she had felt like so excited that she had made so much progress and like asking, uh, obviously, this is a case by case basis. Every surgery is different, but knowing uh, and asking how long am I going to be out for? Like, what am I going to do? What, how am I going to recover? And the thing is, is like, at times we all go through these moments where, you know, we need to zoom out 
And zooming out is really hard when you're in the moment. But if you take that time to zoom out and think long term, like for me, it wasn't easy to be like, I'm not going to go run this marathon that I've been training for for three months. It was actually really sad. And I cried about it for a really long time. But then I gathered my, you know, and I, <laughs> this is a PG podcast today. Mm -hmm. I got my, I got my act together and I like, I'm better for it now. And I feel that all of the, you know, the adaptations and the changes that I've had to make over the last few weeks have really empowered me to come back ultimately, eventually, hopefully stronger and definitely emotionally stronger for sure. Now, something we've kind of like grazed over a little bit here. Um, we're talking about marathon prep, a big category marathon prep, something I know that you both can speak to is nutrition. Oh my God. This is like the wild, wild west mm -hmm. for a lot of people, right? It's like, I know that I need to run. And if I run a lot, I'm going to be able to show up to the start line and we're going to be great. But eh, there's a little bit more to it than that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Phoenix, reflect mm -hmm. on your training process, your running. When did you first start to really realize that what you put into your body can change all of that for you? Oh, yeah, it definitely was a couple of years ago. You know, I was invited to the Breaking Two event in Monza, and I really got to sit down and learn from all the scientists behind the Breaking Two that was working with Elliot Kipchoge. And I think prior to that crazy incentive week, I knew nutrition was important, but not I didn't realize how much it would just change your run completely from regeneration to just staying in it and like not really burning out during your run. So I would say when I learned this about what you do pre-race, post-race, and then just that whole recovery process in between, just detrimental. I mean, I shaved 40 minutes off my marathon time by focusing on my nutrition. And, you know, I would say before, like I would do like the pasta dinner the night before, because that's what I thought you would do. And then I'd wake up and I'd have a bar and I'd have a gel. And, you know, that would be like my morning marathon routine prior to this event of learning the importance of nutrition and just how specific it is for every individual too. you know, making sure that you're hydrating weeks before making sure that you're getting the right, you know, pre and post during your runs, the right meals that are going to sustain the run. And I realized when I would have like a full meal that that actually lasted me for a long run, it, I didn't burn out. My muscles didn't burn out, which then I performed faster and I was able to last longer. And that also prevented injuries. So, you know, if you're the kind of person that just thinks you need sugars and carbs the day before you run, you know, really just analyze what those sources are. Because I feel like that's the most important, like not getting your source of carbs and sugar from Pepsi or just like <laughs> a thing of bread, like really getting those slow digestive, uh, sustainable carbs is going to make you last through that run. And you're going to feel so good coming out the other side because your body didn't catabolize itself during the process because it just burnt off these simple carbs and sugars that you just put in that aren't really sustainable. So like I said, it's all individual to each his own. But you know, that whole like, let's get pasta and sugar the night before. So we have a great run. That's the thing of the past, in my opinion, you know, yeah. and I think really getting down to some better nutrition, you're going to see that you're going to shave so much time and recovery off of your running. And I, I hope that. like Yeah, gets no, I mean, it. I'm going to say what everybody else in here is thinking, like 40 minutes is a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So, OK, what are you eating? So I mean, so I say my race day breakfast, I'd get up a couple hours before and I would do, you know, like a multigrain bread with almond butter. Um, I do bananas, salt, spirulina on there. And then I do like a high nut bar that's like spirulina and algaes. I let that kind of digest. And then also from there, I'll do like my supplements. So I'll do some Zyflamin for joint support. Um, I'll do some curcumin, like turmeric for inflammation. And then I'll also do some spirulina too, because it's a complete protein. And then like maybe I was at the time I was doing like a Morton gel, like our pack. So a nice, slow digestive carb. Get up a few hours, let that kind of sit in 
have your coffee, let that bathroom break go in the morning, then get to that race, get your mind clear early. And I'm like, that really just helped me staying hydrated every time you pass that water station, not skipping it, maybe having a sip and throw it, not the full cup. But I made sure I didn't skip a water station, had a little tiny handheld bottle. So I was drinking throughout the entire time mm. so that you just constantly stay hydrated. Yeah. You know, um, the gels help a lot. You know, if you can grab the bananas on the side, I know a lot of people want to PR, so they don't really want to stop or get off the <laughs> side of the roads. But you really if you figure out how to navigate those little moments, you're going to see how much stronger it's going to boost your run. Definitely. You know, so that's what helped me uh, majority. And then the strength training, getting the glutes stronger, that really helped too on top of nutrition. We will definitely get to strength training in just mm -hmm. a second. Something that you said here that I can totally relate to. When I came to Chicago a couple of years ago, it was a really big opportunity for me, um, a PR of about 20 minutes as well. And I also credit that too. I, I say this all the time. I think I ate that entire marathon. Like I was out there having a meal. Like I don't remember, like I seriously feel as though I can't remember like more than like five minutes at a time where I wasn't forgetting the last time that I had some sort of like a chew or a gel. And I was like, well, I guess it's time to have another one. And I was drinking and running and all of the things. And so I can totally re like relate to what you're saying about like, trusting in the training, but also then like reaching for that fuel at the chances that you get and know that also like you have trained with your fuel, right? Everyone nod their head. Yes, you have. You've done this. You're ready. Cool. So you have trained with your fuel. You know how your body takes that fuel. Trust in that as well. Um, well talk to me about your marathon nutrition. What's it look like? Yeah. Something I wanted to add to that really is we know it, it's so trial and error. All of us have studied exercise nutrition. So we understand the fundamentals of nutrition, but everybody is different. So when it comes to what you digest well, what's not going to upset your stomach when you're on the course, like all of that is so imperative to your actual training process. So, and another kind of problem or something that could be really conflicting are all of the new supplements that are out there. You want to try everything, especially when we're at those expos and you just, <laughs> there's so many like cool, just colorful. It's like going to Costco. Yeah. Isn't like going to the expo, mm -hmm. like going to Costco, like you want to sample like absolutely everything. Do they do samples yeah. at Costco these days or are those done? I, well, pandemic. Oh, sad, sad times. Sad. But the expo is like <laughs> Disney World for runners, right? So you just want to pick everything up. But the training process is really when you're seeing what really works best for your body. And so with my routine, I'm a simple bagel with peanut butter in the morning, banana, some coffee, get that bathroom break in. And then I have the chews that I, I will eat during the marathon. So for me, what really works is timing it out. Um, every 35 to 40 minutes, I'm eating a serving of chews. Um, some people choose to just hydrate with whether it's tailwind or something that is giving them those carbs. Um, I've just learned that the chews work for me. So like, it's so trial and error. Yeah. And I think as long as you understand the fundamentals of what you're supposed to be fueling your body, just trying out different strategies, seeing what sticks and then trusting it and sticking with it. Yeah. And you touched on timing as did you with when you're going into that pre-race meal that can be super important to kind of hammer in and home in on as well. Um, I love that 35 to 40 minute window. That's kind of where I go as well. Yeah. But again, to each their own with their body. And then experts that I've had on the show before, I think you said about 90 minutes, between 90 minutes and two hours before you start running is a really great time to get in that, that pre-race energy, right? So when you have that big meal in the morning, it's ideal not to like 
wake up 30 minutes before you're going to toe the line. Although that's impossible to do when you're going out for a marathon because you got to be there so early. But make sure you're getting in that nutrition about 90 minutes to two hours before you run so that your body really has time to do something with it because that's really, really clutch. Now, something that Phoenix touched on, a huge question, so many different ones of this variety that came in, talking about strength training. I mean, raise your hand in here if you're a runner who knows that they could do more strength training. Yeah, I think for those listening to this on the feed, every single person in this room just raised their hand. It's all of us. And oftentimes we don't prioritize strength training until we feel as though we have a reason to because things aren't going as we hoped, right? Uh, Not a lot of head nods in the room as well. So strength training, important, not just in that posterior chain, which which are those muscles up the backside of your body, really, really critical to running performance and propelling you in the direction you want to go, but really overall and especially core centric. So Phoenix, talk to me a little bit about what your strength training routine looks like. And if you maybe at one point or another shifted that up, knowing that it could help your overall performance. Oh yeah. So, um, so I would say for, I would say for the, the average runner or beginner into strength training, not necessarily my my routine, because it's going to be different. Um, I would say, you know, just identifying your weaker areas on your body. If you know where, you know, if you're having a lot of knee issues, a lot of hip issues, you know, then kind of identifying where those sources are. If you have a weaker lower back or if you a weaker, you know, core line, and you're going to want to start focusing on those. So for me, I found that working on my posterior chain, um, really, because I was very quad dominant. So training glutes a little bit more three times a week, you know, training hip exercises and lots of the, you know, your inner abdominal, your transverse, and you want to do like your psoas and like making sure you're doing myofascial release and different techniques like that to really get in and loosen up those muscles. So I would say those are going to be some really important, just like minor tweaks and details to focus on if you're trying to improve. But overall, I think if you can just train legs and glutes and core a little bit more during your strength training, it's going to automatically improve your run. So if you can help support your back, you can work on your breathing through training your core, all those little things are going to help a lot. And it's just different for every individual, you know, but if you meet with a coach, they're going to tell you exactly when they look at your running and where your experience is, they're going to be able to identify where you should start. So I say the best thing to do is not to self-diagnose, you know, find your, you know, one of your favorite trainers, maybe that you've been wanting to work with on Instagram and, you know, just hit hit up a consultation and see what you need to improve on. If it doesn't go any further than that, then at least you get a a professional expert at where you should start. Right. And that's really important. Uh, Professional expert. I can't highlight that term enough. Mm -hmm. If you see someone that you think is dope on Instagram, they could be dope IRL, but they should also be qualified, right? right? So before you put your body in somebody else's hands, make sure that they have a background, they have certifications. Don't be afraid to ask them what those certifications are. If you're going to be giving someone your money and your time, and again, your body and your well-being, it is so, so, so important that you make sure that they're qualified to help take care of you and guide you in the direction that you need to go. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, as you mentioned as well, every body is different. So although all the muscle groups and things that you mentioned are super important, especially when it comes to runners, again, make sure that you talk to someone on a one-on-one basis so that you can get the advice that you need and take care of your body how you need to take care of it because we are all individuals. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Element. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It is a super high caliber plant-based formula with no sugars, fillers, 
gluten, or other sketchy ingredients. I myself cannot get enough of my element, even now that the temperatures are finally cooling down, thank God, because I know that not only is it delicious, I'm a huge fan of their watermelon salt flavor, but also that drinking these electrolytes is helping me get to where I want to be. And that's because to stay hydrated, you need to consume adequate electrolytes, period. They help your nerve impulses fire, they regulate fluid balance, help produce energy, and support strong bones, aka they are important. Like I said, watermelon salt, one of my go-tos, but they have different flavors for every taste from citrus and chocolate to orange and many more. Of course, I have an awesome deal for you. You can get Element absolutely free. All you've got to do is pay $5 shipping. Just head on over to drinkelement.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. Again, that's drinkelement.com, L-M-N-T.com slash hurdle and snag your free element sample pack today. On the strength training note, Sierra, do you, you mentioned that you had a background as well in CrossFit. I also did CrossFit, fun fact, for for a few years there until I got injured. I know uh, we have a lot of CrossFitters in the room right now. What did uh, getting that involved in strength training teach you about your body? So I kind of, I learned the hard way with mm. strength training and running with my first marathon cycle. And that was when I was really in the weeds with CrossFit. I was a coach. I was training, I mean, dozens of people each week. And then I was training myself as well. And it was a hard transition to go from this really intense strength training dominant to running and I stopped doing my strength training as much but coming back from that I really just learned how important it is to just kind of make adjustments it's high repetition lower weight so I I haven't done Olympic lifts in at least two years now wow TBT I know right <laughs> <laughs> those snatches are gone <laughs> those days are gone it's really just adjustments but especially with uh kind of the CrossFit mantra it's functional fitness so I understand that CrossFit does have that certain reputation of what exactly it is, but to the very core of it, it's foundational of functional fitness. So picking up your groceries are like deadlifts, putting something up on the shelf is like an overhead press. You know, these exercises can really translate to your daily life activities. So it was really having that understanding and just making adjustments in my own routine. Now I'll strength train at least two, three times a week if I'm in season for training for a marathon. Well, that's a really good yeah. thing to bring up, right? Because I'm sure the next question is, okay, how much should I be strength training? How many right. days a week should I be strength training? What What would you advise for that? Uh, I would definitely still keep it around two, at least two to three minimum. If you're someone on a more expert level, then you can go a little bit higher. It all depends on how much recovery you need after your runs, right. you know, because if you're going to train a heavy leg day and then go have a long run tomorrow, it's probably going to be pretty challenging. So just making sure that you have those strength training days, maybe you strength train after your run or, you know, before a long run of the weekend. So it's just scheduling it out. I would say at least two days a week minimum three to four days max right. um, would be my ideal. And you would just do splits. Sometimes you would train, let's say, glutes and abs, and then you'd go for your long run the next day. Then after that, you can train quads and calves or you know hamstrings. So just split training, not going hardcore, destroying your legs, and then trying to run after right, that. Right. Because you're probably going to suffer from some injuries. And if you're not, maybe down the road it might. you know. But So that, that would be my biggest advice. Two to three days, 
split the groups up. Don't just go hardcore one day and then like try to run. Really just know like, all right, I'm planning this out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, something to keep in mind also that you may not know if you're relatively new to adding in different types of runs to your regular routine is that tackling something like an interval workout, whether you're on a track or you're on the road and you're doing it by time, that interval workout is going to be very similar to doing a leg day, right? Mm -hmm. So you would not ideally in your perfect world want to go tackle uh, a track workout on a Friday and then go hit your long run on a Saturday. That's going to be really hard to give your body what it needs to get that necessary recovery in. Now, recovery, a big buzzword here, something we haven't talked about a lot yet, but next to nutrition, the secret sauce to running an excellent race or just keeping your body in tip-top shape for your every your every day. So what does your recovery routine look like right now? Be honest. Oh gosh. The hardest, <laughs> the hardest lesson to learn as a runner is that rest is actually productive. Sit your butt down. A lot of head nodding, <laughs> a lot of head nodding in the audience it's here. It's so yeah. hard, especially because a lot of you are running tomorrow. So we've been tapering. So you understand that you probably had much, hopefully had some lighter miles. Um, I think there's a difference between active recovery and true recovery. There so is? if I'm really having a rest day, I tell myself to sit and not do any kind of intentional activity. Um, But active recovery, I love to do something low impact like yoga or Pilates or light spin class or something like that. Something that still is giving me, getting me active, but isn't putting any unnecessary pressure on my joints. Smart. And there is a huge difference between just recovery, plain recovery and active recovery. Also important to know that even on your total rest day, it can be really helpful to move around a little bit, right? So if you're completely like Netflix and chilling, I have been on a sex education binge. I'm on the last episode right now. I've literally watched three seasons over the last 12 days. Um, I guess that happens when you spend that much time by yourself. But what I will say is that Um, those two things, very different. It's always really important to make sure that you're moving around a little bit on your rest day to kind of flesh around that lactic acid buildup that's happening in your legs and kind of keep you moving so that you can feel a little bit more comfortable the day after that. What does your recovery routine look like right now, Phoenix? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm in love with my hypervolt, uh, hyper ice gun, and that's been on my, I didn't bring it today, which I'm surprised, but I usually keep (laughs) it in my bag. Um, and I use it any opportunity I get, but on a day that I would say I'm not going to be doing any runs, I love to hit like a high incline treadmill walk just to really warm up and heat up my legs. After that, I'll typically hit the foam roller and then finish it off with the gun. Once I do that, maybe 20, 30 minutes, I like to do a a nice long stretch and then I finish it back off with the treadmill again. So I would say my recovery looks like two hours. Oh, cash. I mean, that's just once a week. So, I mean, if you're not doing it every single day, that once one, two hour session a week, you know, it goes a long way for me because I feel like that's like my only days that I can truly get it in. And like sometimes I'm just not even motivated to move. So like getting on the treadmill, putting it up to 15 percent incline at like a 2.7, 3.0 speed. It just heats up my body where I still feel like I'm getting a little heart rate in there. I'm not super stiff. And then just start blasting away with that gun all over the body, (laughs) even getting it deep into that psoas, you know, so you can start loosening up the hips. That has been like my biggest thing is realizing when that's tight, my hips start pinching, my knee starts pinching, my sciatica starts to flare up. So keep getting deep in there with that little 
peanut type roller, sticking it down deep in there. That just really helps me. So yeah, or the or the gun, but you know that vibration might be a little weird for some people. <laughs> well, let's uh, just take a moment to reiterate that again, everybody is different. Yes, everybody's different. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. find a recovery strategy that works for you. Something that we we touched on, but also important when it comes to terms of recovery is how you're fueling, but uh, primarily also hydration. Hydration is super super important to give your muscles what they need to recover from these difficult efforts. Also super super important um, to make sure if you're running tomorrow that you're really getting that in today, not just water, but also electrolytes. Electrolytes help carry the things to your muscles that they really need to help you get the hydration that you need. They help make you more hydrated. That's their purpose. So definitely make sure you're kind of getting in whatever feels right for you today if you are racing out there tomorrow. We're talking a lot. I mean, we're sitting here inside uh, with Tracksmith in this absolutely beautiful space. A huge thank you again to Tracksmith for hosting us. A lot of questions come in about gear and what we're wearing on the run, right? What is the biggest rule about race day, Sierra? Nothing new. Wow. I didn't even, that wasn't even planned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She knows what's up. Golden rule. The golden rule. So that means that you need to know that you're going out there when you're going on a run and something that makes you feel really comfortable and really secure, right? So while some person may be able to go out there in a pair of split shorts and look like a gazelle, Kara, I'm looking at you. um, I don't necessarily feel that way when I wear split shorts. In fact, I probably would be quite miserable. So Everyone has a different Goldilocks fit, as I'll call it, that they feel good about wearing when they head out on the run. Um, When it comes to uh, the credentials or the things that you think about when you're looking for your go-to kit, so to speak, what do you look into? Um, I look for at least something that's easy removable. You know, in the beginning, you are going to be cold. So I do like a little bit more layers in the beginning, but I get hot and I heat up really quickly. So, you know, I like to either just toss that top layer and just forget about it. Or, you know, you know, if you're holding on to it, but typically a split short for me and a sports bra is going to be my go to. That's why I feel best in. But then I show up cold. So mm-hmm. I usually will have a hoodie on over. And I know by like, as soon as I start running or, you know, just getting up close to my marker, I just throw it off like everyone else does. So for me, like she said, nothing new. I've, I made the mistake of once I ran a marathon in this one piece Nike, uh, just bodysuit. One the, piece? Yeah, this one piece for the <laughs> London Marathon. I was like, all right. I saw these pictures and it was super bootylicious. And I was like, oh my goodness. You know, I was really out here. But they oh, say if you're going to do the London Marathon, you know, wear something flashy. So, but that was my first time trying something new. And uh, I was You learned that day. I mean, you're just kind of pulling it out of your spaces. So I'm just like, don't, yeah, don't do anything new. So I one. learned the hard way and I'm going to stick to my shorts and my bra and my throwaway long sleeve. And something mm-hmm. that, I mean, we're highlighting here that is really important, whether you're going out just to run a mile, a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon, whatever you're doing is that you're going to heat up on the run, right? So when you're heading out there, the experts will tell you dress as if it's 15 to 20 degrees warmer than it actually is outside because you are going to heat up. But also on the inverse of that, you mentioned throwing away a sweatshirt, showing up, uh, if it's specific, talking, here we are (laughs) specifically if it's race day, show up with some of those throwaway clothes so that you feel like you are equipped to get rid of stuff. And you're not so worried about what happens to that stuff. The great thing about a lot of the races, um, you know, we're coming back from from a, a great time in our lives right now, but a lot of the races will have uh, donation bins as well. So all of the gear that you show up with that you throw away, um, so to speak, won't actually be thrown away. Rather, it'll be donated to a really great cause. All right, I'm coming back to you now, guys. I feel like you have them. They've been 
burning deep inside your soul's mm -hmm. questions. So the question is, do we uh, up here on the mic have yeah. a piece of advice when it comes to running that we have a hard time following? I'll take this off the bat. My biggest piece of advice that someone gave me before I showed up to run Chicago a few years back was come back to calm. I think about that all of the time, not just when I'm running, but in that race when I felt like at times, like maybe I was going too fast or just so many feelings as you can relate with when you're running. I just literally closed my eyes and took a deep breath while moving forward and told myself like, come back to calm. And I reminded myself that that calm and those emotions are within my my wheelhouse and they're in my control. Um, that being said, in like the practical application of saying to myself all the time, come back to calm, sometimes it's easier than others, right? But that piece of advice has always really, really resonated with me. What advice do you have? Uh, I would say that I struggled with was probably just, you know, I've always telling people, you know, the rest, you need to get your rest in order to have a strong run. And I know I tell that over and over again to my athletes. And I think that's the biggest thing that I don't follow either. You know, just being busy with my daily life or work. It's like I, I don't get enough rest, you know. So even the night before the race, I'll be so anxious and up until, you know, one, two in the morning realizing like I got to get up, you know, tomorrow. So I felt the biggest thing you do is try to find things to calm yourself down and then just making sure that you're getting that rest. Because if you're feeling rested, you know, you've gone out there and put in the miles already. Like you already know what that long run is right. So that really helps calm you in the moment, knowing that you're rested and you've done everything that you could do to prepare. And if you don't, you know, then you're just going to have to keep giving yourself that positive reinforcement. But that's been my biggest thing is I tell so many people, get your rest so you can regenerate. And I know I probably don't get enough that I need. Yeah. What about you? I would definitely second that. But also I would say it's been hard for me to grasp that there's no such thing as a perfect training cycle. Life happens. Marathon training especially is such a a big endeavor, right? And things pop up and maybe you have to miss a run. And I've had moments where I check in with my coach and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this tomorrow. You know, the timing's just not gonna work out. Should I double up a day later? Something crazy, my, my rationale's off. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he used to tell me, relax. Didn't you just run 16 miles before? Like this isn't going to impact you. Yeah. So just knowing that it's okay to have to take a step back if something comes up and pick back up where you are. Yeah. That's a really good piece of advice. I think uh, it was Emily Infeld who said to me that uh, every training plan is written strategically in pencil for a reason and that we have to have that level of compassion with ourselves and that grace with ourselves to know that things are going to change and that we, again, are responsible for how we react to those changes. Who has another question in the audience for me? Yeah. Alec from New York wants to know what we do to celebrate a big accomplishment like a marathon. I am a religious burger beer person. That's like the go-to. It's what I do, period. I would say that some of my, I'm not a late night person. Like last night, I think I was sleeping at 9.22. Um, after a marathon, for some reason, I am capable of being out and doing everything until whatever time I so please. Uh, so I'll be out just consuming large quantities of carbs, AKA beverages until like at least one or two in the morning. What about you? How do you celebrate? 
I definitely have my mind on a burger. Also wine. I went dry for the last month of training. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a glass of wine. I'm ready. <laughs> she ready. She ready. What about you? Nice. Uh, definitely a good meal. You know, something carb heavy, pasta, pizza. That's my, but I actually, my biggest thing is when I finish a race, I celebrate by signing up for another one. I feel like, you know, you're in that moment. You feel great. You know, well, I usually feel great. You know, you feel so good. You're like, you know, you don't want to lose that momentum. So you just sign up for the next one and recommit. That's usually my celebration right there. You know? I love, I saw, I think it was uh, last weekend after London. If you've ever like put your email anywhere near the London Marathon website, like you got an email during the marathon. It was like, register for 2022. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I got pinged with that email like at least six times. And I was like, I see what you're doing. Like they are hopping mm-hmm. on these positive vibes right now. Yeah. I like that. I like so that. Phoenix, mm-hmm. I actually already registered for another one before mm-hmm. tomorrow. What it would you register for? Well, I entered for London. Let's go. So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I don't know. see you we'll there. See. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take one more question from the, from the audience. Who's going to be my lucky question asker person. All right. The question That's from the so audience, good. where is your favorite place to run in Columbus? Columbus hurdlers. You are welcome. I feel very special. This is a big moment for you. So I hope you're familiar with this. I love the Camp Chase Trail, 17 Mm -hmm. miles from downtown all the way up to rural Ohio. I mean, I will start in the metropolitan area and then be out in a field on a farm. And (laughs) I know it sounds as crazy as (laughs) it it, it is, Um, but it's a fantastic trail. It's got hills. It's nicely paved. It feels safe. Um, I would go out there with my run group and it's a really gorgeous place to run. And it's just like a nice one and done. I'm on a path, get back. And it's nice. Love that. You've mentioned something that I'd love to touch on before we close out here, uh, which is you mentioned the word rural. That made me think about safety. Running safety is something that I get a lot of questions about. I know it's something that we're all really focused on, uh, regardless of what time you're going out there during the day. It's really important that we prioritize that. So the question uh, at hand here, what do you do to uh, be a little bit more mindful of your safety while you're on the run? For me, I'm a big fan of the Garmin Live Track feature. Uh, if you've never used it before and you happen to use a Garmin, I know that a lot of other wearables have similar functionality, but you can go into your settings and add certain emails or people in your contacts list to get a notification when you head out for a run, especially when I am traveling internationally. Dad's not five minutes away, but but it is good for him to know that I start my run, I end my run, and I am safe. That's something that I'm super mindful of. And then regardless of where you are, uh, whether you're in a metropolitan area or, or in a rural area, really important to make sure that you're staying kind of in main areas if you're running super early or super late. So for me, being in New York City, um, I would make sure that if I was getting out and running, you know, 530 at 6 a.m., that I was staying on the avenue, so to speak. I wouldn't even head necessarily, and this is obviously based on a comfort situation, but I wouldn't even head into the park until a little bit later where I felt like that was going to be a little bit more crowded, especially Central Park at points. Like the lighting is all sorts of messed up. You really realize that running in foreign countries, their lighting is excellent. And New York does not cater to my overall running safety. But staying in main areas where you're just going to see a lot of people around there, um, you know, will be someone to reach out to if something was to go to go awry, so to speak. What what safety tips do you have for the run? 
Um, yeah, I wish I actually, you know, should be thinking about this a lot more. You know, I'm so kind of fearless when I go out there. I'm always just kind of thinking of like, make sure I wear my reflective gear since it's so early. I don't get That's hit. a great tip. You know, so that, I would say the biggest thing I've done is, you know, just wear the reflective gear because I'm always thinking about not getting hit by somebody rather than being I don't know, abducted by somebody. Yeah. So, but I do stay on all the well lit paths until like you're saying, it's bright enough outside to feel more comfortable doing those desolate trails. I mean, I train along the lakefront, which is pretty, I think um, there's usually always someone on it, but once you start getting into those really long runs, hitting down towards like the south end of the trail, it is a little less crowded over there during the early morning. So for me right now, it's just been wearing reflective gear so that people can see me at all times. And, but now that I know about that feature on Garmin, I'm definitely going to use helpful. it. Strava has one as well, mm -hmm. if you use Strava a lot. And something uh, to be mindful of, that we haven't touched on yet, headphones, right? A lot of us like mm -hmm. to wear headphones, like to listen to music or podcasts when you're out there running. Uh, but if at a certain time, you might want to be a little bit more cognizant about what's going on around you. You always want to be cognizant about what's going on around you, but important to kind of be mindful of that in the scheme of things. Um, there are a lot of headphones, I know aftershocks that you can wear and still get a lot of that external noise, which people lean into. For me, I'm a one AirPod runner. If I'm going out before like 6.15 in the morning, I'll like keep one in and keep one out. Um, and just like be a little bit more aware of what's happening around you. Okay, so we're in the home stretch here. We're winding down. Before I let you all go today, I do think it's an important moment for us to ask us to, to reiterate motivation, right? We all have different reasons why we run. And I think that finding that reason and, and being able to articulate that is what's gonna keep you coming back day in and day out. So my question to close us out here today is why do you run, Sierra? Honestly, I do it for myself. I have found my most powerful moments in my runs, my confidence, self-worth, just being able to see what I'm capable of and no one can take that away from me. And because it's all about me, it's mine. I control it. Yeah. And I think that's can, what can make injuries really hard, having to rest really hard, because when you put so much value in something like that, it can be really difficult to step away from it. But having really intentional meaning and action behind your runs is what makes you keep going, especially for us that are running tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And I think that for me, to piggyback on that, a big part of why I run is that not only do I know that that time is an opportunity for me to give back to me, but by doing that, that I'm better for the other people that I want to show up for throughout my day. So um, even especially now, kind of having to shift my routine, dealing with injury, I know that I can replicate that feeling and how I show up throughout the rest of my day, but just finding something else that I feel like is my opportunity to give back to me. So if I can't go out and lace up how I want to, maybe it's leaving my apartment for 20 to 30 minutes in the morning and taking a very intentional, mindful walk with like a cup of coffee, right? And really having that time to like give back to me the way that I feel like running gives back to me. So again, I can kind of keep my head up and keep going throughout my day. Phoenix, why yeah. do you run? What's your why? I love that. Um, my why is discipline. You know, I feel like I run to stay disciplined, to strengthen my discipline, to strengthen my mind. You know, I typically, when I run, I don't listen to music because I feel like that's my time to hash out anything I'm going through with my day or my week or, you know, you know, just kind of check in with myself, like you were saying, and just, you know, hold myself accountable. So I, I use that time to just kind of talk with myself. Um, then I also use that as just to keep setting my threshold for my discipline higher, because I feel like every time I accomplish a run or hit mileage that I've never done before, it kind of just instills that confidence in me that, all right, 
now I can go after this life goal and I can go after this job goal because I did this and that can't be harder than this. Right. I moved my body for hours and I stayed positive during it. And I kept reassuring myself that I can do it. And I did it. So for me, I do it to keep strengthening my discipline and to motivate other people. You know, I feel like running is it's very hard. It's probably one of the hardest thing that you can put onto your body. And um, just to be able to accomplish it and do it, I think it's very inspiring and motivating. So that's why I do it. So I do want to say thank you all so much to everyone for coming out here tonight. Thank you again to our host at Tracksmith for having us here. This pop-up is open today until seven, tomorrow until seven and Monday until four. Uh, If you haven't seen them, their marathon posters are my favorite thing in the world. So see if you can snag a spot to grab one of those. But again, thank you so much to all of you. I really, Mm -hmm. really appreciate you. And you know how it goes. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Mm